0: We bid farewell uh, to the book of Acts last week, uh, at least formally. Uh, And Pastor Tom would like us to spend the summer going over some of the actual teachings of Jesus himself. I mean, the book of Acts is about the spreading of the gospel throughout the world under the authority and power of the Holy Spirit. And it's just a wonderful and exciting narrative. But Tom thought, well, let's this summer, let's, let's relocate ourselves in Jesus' actual teachings. What did he tell us about how we are to live this life of faith in his kingdom? So we're going to be going through this summer what is traditionally called the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll work our way through it in a more or less orderly man- manner, and we'll be taking some liberties due to vacation schedules. So to launch us into this next adventure, which I get to do, we start with the Beatitudes or blessings. That's just the Latin word for Blessings with which Jesus opens this sermon. Now, the Jews had a blessing for just about everything you can imagine, from daily bread, which is rather obvious, to healthy digestion. And you can find blessings throughout the Old Testament. You know, blessed are these and blessed are those. So Jesus is utilizing a very familiar way of speaking among the Jewish people with these beatitudes of his own. So as we read through this morning, I want you to take note of a few things. It's slightly awkward in English to put the word blessed at the beginning of the sentence we would tend to say, for instance, in verse 3, where we'll be spending our time this morning, the poor in spirit are blessed. That's how we would say it in English. But the Jews put the blessed in front for emphasis. Highlight, exclamation point, blessed are so-and-so. So pay attention to that, and also pay attention to the difference in tenses as we read through these Beatitudes. The bookend Beatitudes, the first one, number one and number eight, number eight is in two parts, as you'll see, they're both in the present tense. We enjoy these blessings right now. The Beatitudes in between two through seven the bookshelf, if you will, that is enclosed by the bookend Beatitudes, they're all in the future tense. So we enjoy them now by faith, trusting that it will not be until the future that we can fully realize those blessings. We can taste them now, so to smell them cooking in the kitchen, But we can't embrace them until the end. So, with that as an introduction, page 858 in your pew Bibles if you want to read along. And of course, Pastor Tom would like it if you did. This is the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Did you know you were blessed when that happened? Be glad and rejoice Because your reward is great in heaven, for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Now, we had a few years ago a a most gratifying conversation with our son, James, uh, just after he and his wife had purchased their first home he told us how grateful he was that we had raised him to appreciate that life is not about making money. And then he said, but dad, it sure is nice to have some. Amen. Given that vast middle between poverty and wealth, I think it's fair to say that everyone would rather lean more towards the wealthier side of things. And in and of itself, there is absolutely nothing wrong with preferring to have more money over having less. And yet, to be blessed, we must become poor. Poor, that is, in spirit. Now the trouble here is that we don't want that any more than we want to be broke all the time. But if we are to live in the present tense blessedness of the kingdom, we must buy into God's get poor strategy. So that we can become truly rich with real wealth that we can never, ever lose, regardless of what's in or not in our bank accounts. So, our beatitude this morning is the first one, verse 3 Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit. So who are these people anyway? And should we desire to enjoy their blessing. Of possessing the kingdom of God. Present tense. Right here and now. How do we get to be like those guys. Who are poor in spirit. Well, First we have to go dependent go dependent which I'm not proud to say gets me off to a very bad start of course it doesn't look great for you either because we all naturally strive to be self-sufficient to rely on ourselves to take care of our needs and to be independent. All of which is good. It pleases the Lord that we grow up into maturity and take care of business, that delights Him, except when we're doing it because we don't trust Him to help us to do it. In other words, when we are motivated to take care of ourselves out of fear or unbelief or a nasty cocktail of the two. That unspoken and often unrecognized assumption that is really there in each of us that God can't really be counted on To provide me with everything I need. Not really. Everything. So in practical terms, in my daily life, it is up to me after all. That's really the conclusion we get to without even realizing we're thinking that way. Except it's not up to us. Jesus said to his disciples, which includes us, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, surely he was exaggerating. Or was he? Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, if I read Jesus clearly, that includes getting out of bed this morning and everything I've done since. Never mind actually living for him. I know I can't do that without him. But even Jesus says, now dwell on this. Jesus says, by myself, I can do nothing. Even the son had to choose complete dependence upon the father and he was regularly tempted with independent self-reliance just like we are so to become poor in spirit I must practice renouncing the very bad habit which is nothing less than a lie of my own self-sufficiency when divorced from my absolute dependence upon God and continually recognize that he alone, he alone enables me to do anything. Including that breath I just took. Did you see it? That was God! I didn't decide to have my heart beat a few more times, hopefully through the end of this sermon at least. I didn't decide that I would take that breath. God gave it to me and you. So we practice going dependent and we go empty. After his life, family, and career fell apart a number of years ago, Arnold Schwarzenegger commissioned a number of statues, eight of them, all cast bronze, all eight feet tall, weighing 600 pounds, and they were to be shipped all over the world. They were statues, you probably have already guessed, of himself. In his bodybuilding days as Mr. Universe. And reportedly he kept one. For Arnold. Those who are most full of themselves. Are going to end up the emptiest inside. The kingdom of God belongs to those who recognize the emptiness within the poverty and embrace it not deny it because we can't change it on our own but by embracing that emptiness and that poverty within us we look to him to fill us with him with himself as Jesus said I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. I am your food. And the more we feel our hunger, our thirst, our need, our emptiness. The more we are driven to feed on the only substance that can satisfy, Christ, and the more we are blessed, and the more we live fully in the present tense reality of the kingdom. So, in your notes, it says App One. That's. Simply, application just to consider yourselves for a few moments. Where do you need to go? To go poorer? To get empty? That you might know more of the kingdom? How long can you falsify and deny what is real? How long can you hate yourself for the weakness you conceal? My best Bob Dylan. (laughs) Hope I didn't offend any true fans. Thank you. But you see, it's because nobody ever wants to be weak that we all work so hard to hide it. And we hate ourselves for it because we're covering up something that we know is real. But God wants us blessed, right? But that blessing requires us to be poor and to be weak. So God in his mercy and wisdom has developed ways of helping us get there. Because we won't get there on our own. And so Paul writes in Second Corinthians... Very familiar, precious, wonderful passage. The word of the Lord. Paul writes, to keep me from becoming conceited. Paul's going to get conceited unless something stops him. So are you. So am I. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Now, who do you suppose gave him that messenger of Satan to torment me? Now, (laughs) People think about this. God wants Paul to stay empty, to stay weak. So he gives him whatever this thorn in the flesh is to torment him, to drive him to himself. Three times, Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. That's legit too. We can say, God, I don't want this stupid thorn. I hate it. Take it away. But God said to me, no. Okay, the no is implied. It's not actually in the text. But it's, that's what he means. No. My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. My grace is more than adequate for you, Paul. For my power is made perfect in weakness if you're strong you're not going to see any of my power therefore (laughs) therefore paul says i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses how many of you today yet have boasted about how weak you are about anything i haven't So that, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses gladly, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. When was the last time you thanked God for your weaknesses? Time to start. In insults, I... I haven't taken a full inventory, but I wouldn't be surprised if I never once thanked God for being insulted. Maybe way after the fact. In hardships. Everybody's got plenty of those. In persecutions, in difficulties. Four, and here's the line, we all know it. When I am weak then I am strong. Unfortunately, it tends to be almost exclusively in trouble, distress, pain, that we feel our frailty. And so by grace, then cling ever more tenaciously to God when we really feel it. I have found it best to ask the Lord to help me feel my true weakness without a thorn, if possible. And he has done that for me. Not every time, but he does. I think, why Why? why put myself in a position to have a messenger of Satan tormenting me from God to stop me from being conceited which is i am easily conceited so i ask god to help me feel the reality of that without a thorn because if i do not feel my need for him i know what will happen so do you i will get lost in myself my own devices which is not a pretty sight and finally we need we need to go humble now it should comfort us all to know there are no humble humans so don't ever waste any time praying for humility It's a really dangerous thing to do anyway. But God is not going to give you humility. That's our job. To just do it. Given our awareness of our absolute poverty before God. Whoever humbles himself, Jesus says will be exalted. What God will give, and gladly, is grace to choose humility, which is what we must do all the time for everything, just like Jesus had to do. Jesus had to choose to humble himself. Our daughter-in-law uh, introduced us to a new Christmas gift exchange idea. It's sort of an upgrade on the old, boring Yankee swap. So this one works. You set so take notes if you need a new way to do Christmas gifts. You set a limit on how much to spend. I think with HCA, we first did this in the staff party, I think it was 10 bucks. and you give for the swap. Something you can't live without. My gift was a big fat roll of press and seal. And a back scratcher. No connection between the two gifts. We can all live without a lot of things. But God... And for me, Preston seal is not one of them. And the harder we work at becoming more poor in spirit, because it's hard work, because we don't want to be poor in spirit. We hate being weak. But the more we work at that, the harder we expend ourselves to become dependent and and needy for God, the more of him we are going to get. That's the payoff. You want more God, get rid of more of you. And we get that right here, right now, the kingdom of God in our lives. Present tense blessing. So what we get for going dependent and weak and empty is we get carefree carefree, not reckless, not wanton, but carefree. As we grow more dependent, we realize more of God's present tense provision for us. And of course, it's not really that we get more from God necessarily, though we might. Rather, it's that we begin to see just how much we are already getting, that we've already got in him. And so Jesus, later on in this Sermon on the Mount, would say, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Put those at the top of your priority list. Go there first. And all this other stuff will be added. Yet we get full as we tap into our emptiness, our longings for love, for validation, worth, purpose, meaning, hope. We find that God alone satisfies just like he's told us. I am the bread of life. I'm the water that you need. So Psalm 63, I I call this, The second person singular song. Check it out. These are a few excerpts in your note. This is David just talking to God. You, you, it's you, it's you. Second person singular. It's you I need, it's you I want, it's you I have to have. Oh God, David writes, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Because your love is better than life. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you we get strong as we dare to live more in touch with our non strength with our frailty and our weakness we receive more of his power and strength and might to live the lives that he's called us to live finally Paul writes be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power We all want that, but we're not so crazy about paying the price to get that. Namely, be poor in spirit. By being poor in spirit, we can get proud of God's pride. As we practice humbling ourselves, emptying our pockets of our foolish pride and our self-regard, we grow to exalt in our Father's pride in us, his children. God is proud of you. I know you've messed up. I know you're half-hearted sometimes. I know that you can be cold and callous towards him, but he's proud of you because you have received his provision for your salvation through the death of his son. He is never disappointed. He's never up there going, oh, not again. When are you going to get this? No! Get that out of your heads forever. God delights in each and every one of us as we are. He died for us as we are. He redeemed us as we are. He made us his own as we are. The Old Testament prophet Zephaniah Says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. Well, He has to be mighty to save if He saved us, right? Listen, He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love, He will rejoice over you with singing. Picture that. God rejoicing over you in song. I mean, we come here, we sing praises to the Lord, we're rejoicing in him. He's doing the same thing over us. Every single human being is poor in spirit anyway, by default, by nature. We're poor in spirit. We're just all in denial about it. So this summer, let's grow poorer together in ourselves and richer in his kingdom. And let's keep reminding one another this <laughs> summer. Do anything to get poorer this week? And all glory to him. Amen.